Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason, and as per usual, joined alongside Dylan Mel and John Pauline. Guys, we got a big episode today, and let's start it off with a hot-button topic. A's broadcaster, Glenn Kuyper, he was suspended indefinitely after possibly saying a racial slur on air. Not going to say what the slur was, obviously, but he did go to the Negro League Museum. They were in Kansas City and called the museum by a different name. He tried to say it, and it came out wrong. A little cavalier about it, too, if you don't ask me, but let me get you guys' thoughts on this. Dylan, What? how do you feel? Yeah, Corey, you know, this is one of those things where in uh, 2023, you just can't really mess up this way. And, you know, I don't know Kuiper personally, and, you know, it's nice to hope for the best and to hope that it was a simple mess up. And obviously, this is just my opinion from here on out. But it really just didn't come across like it was his first time using that word. And it was very casually thrown in there kept it moving there was no oh whoops that came out wrong until social media backlash and again obviously like it could have been a mistake but this is just simply not a mistake that you can make as a professional broadcaster especially when you know the weight of the word it's something that you need to make sure that you're saying correctly i mean that's the whole point of your visit to the museum is to understand what the importance is of African-American players in the league and understand the racism that they endured. And that's like, it's not funny, but it's just comical how ironic it is that that's where the slip up occurred. The indefinite suspension, I think it's correct. You know, I'm sure they'll have him go through some PR training and he'll be back out there for the athletics. But yeah, this is just a mess up that can't happen if you're a professional and I don't want to speculate on whether or not he is or isn't racist, but you know, you're free to make that opinion yourself. I mean, there was no mistaking that he, you know, said what he said, that he said it. I mean, if you watch the clip, you can clearly hear him say it, but you know, you, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt that it was just a gaffe on air and, and stuff, but like there was no walking it back on air saying whoops or correcting himself. So it, it tends to look a little worse than that. I mean, you can't be saying that stuff now and, you know, this day and age, and you're going to get, you know, punished for pretty hard, especially with social, social media and just how many people are going to see that. It's just the suspension was going to, it was going to be, you know, it was correct. Like Dylan said, and they'll probably make him go through some PR stuff and he'll probably be back out in like a month or two and everyone will forget about it. You guys are, you guys are really going to make me be the one to, to not defend him, but to kind of look at it from the other angle, aren't you? So I don't think he meant to say it, obviously. I don't think anybody in their right mind would. That's how to lose your job 101. But I, I think it was an accident. We did hear from the president of the Negro League Museum, and he said that he opened his arms wide for Glenn Kuyper to come in, and he said that Kuyper was beyond excited to be there, learn the history. I'm not going to speak on whether he's racist or not because I don't know the man. And I think anybody commenting one way or the other, just it's not a fair, you know, it's not a fair way to look at it because you don't know him. So you can't speak for it. 
whether he is or isn't. You can just speak on the issue as it is, and that's what it is, an issue. Now, I don't think him or his co-host Dallas Braden necessarily understood what happened. They said it and moved on because they're on live TV. You can't just stop. But also, maybe they didn't hear it. He obviously didn't mean it that way. I can't imagine he did. So when you're on live TV, and I don't know how much experience either of you guys have doing live work, when whether it's in front of the camera or on a mic, the best thing to do when you slip up, say something wrong, is just move past it like it never happened. The repercussions are going to come either way. So you dig yourself in a deeper hole by acknowledging it and holding it in that moment. You make that moment hold more power. Half the time, people don't even understand and hear what you said. Obviously, in this case, they did. But I think the suspension was well warranted. It kind of reminds me of the Tom Brenneman situation from a few years ago where he made a certain remark about San Francisco. And I think going through some PR training, like you guys said, is the right way to go about it. I don't think he needs to lose his job, especially because the A's are going to be going through a rebrand as they move to Las Vegas. He probably wasn't going to go with them to Vegas. He has been their broadcaster since 2004, I believe. So he's somebody that's been there a while. Let the heat blow over. Send him to some sensitivity training if you want. Don't fire the guy. Bring him back. Everybody makes mistakes and I think the intent is what really should be the the correlating factor here, the, the mitigating factor. Did he intend to say something wrong and racist? Or was it just a Freudian slip of the tongue? Either way, it can't go unpunished, but it definitely shouldn't lead to him losing his job, especially because he's not a bad broadcaster as it is, and it was an accident. Yeah, here's the last thing that I'll say on the matter. And the truth of it is, none of us are ever going to know what the intent behind it was. You know, obviously it was an accident. And even if he was racist, it's like you said, he's not a big enough idiot to be racist on air. However, the casualty at which it slipped out, to me, either signifies that it's not his first time saying the word, and it's something that he has no problem saying off air, or like you said, it was an honest mistake just because of how casual it came out and how quickly he kept moving. You know, there was no clear, I made a mistake in that moment for him, which can lead to the side of it was just an honest mistake. Absolutely. I don't want to come across as, as if I'm just berating the guy when I don't know him. I don't know the truth of it, but with the casualty of it, it's definitely one way or the other, in my opinion. I mean, I, I don't think he's a racist at all. It's just it's just a mistake you can't be making when you're a professional broadcaster on live TV. Like, that's just one of those mistakes that you just cannot make. And he made it, and obviously the internet's going to make him pay. And, you know, you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, you can't. It's a, it's a, it's a tough spot. Again, it's a, it's a mistake you can't make, but a lot of mistakes are ones that you can't make. I'm interested to see how long the suspension will be. I don't think this will resolve anytime soon. He might be back in the summer if I had to take a guess. If not, he might just be out the rest of the year and they slowly bring him back next season. But who knows? Let's move it to a lighter note. And I say lighter sarcastically because 
in a game in Philadelphia, Red Sox versus the Phillies, a fan fell into the Red Sox bullpen. We do know that the fan is okay. He was conscious and uh, responsive, but bleeding while he was uh, being helped out. But in the game, Jose Alvarado actually had to run on the field during Masataka Yoshida's at bat and like said, hey, hey, you guys got to stop the game. And they stopped the game for a little bit because the fan, he went to go catch a ball that was thrown in his area from the bullpen and fell over a railing from the concourse into the bullpen. And it's a scary situation. And we've seen the worst, the worst things possible happen with this type of thing. Luckily, the fan's okay, but it's still something notable that reaching for a foul ball, the fan fell. And it kind of helps pose the question, should there be more safety precautions taken at stadiums or or do stadiums do enough as it is and it's up to the fans to kind of look out for themselves and think things through a little bit yeah Corey, i don't want to make light of the situation because obviously somebody was injured and you know thank goodness they're okay but this happened at citizen bank park and if you've been to the philadelphia area you kind of know what the bullpens look like they're out in center field and they're more of a staircase level with the visitor bullpen being higher up than the home bullpen. So while obviously it was a scary situation because somebody landed on their head, the fall's actually not that far. I would say it's probably, you know, a eight, nine foot fall, which still like, obviously if you're landing on your head, isn't great, but it wasn't this huge fall out of the stands. And it wasn't a guy reaching for a foul ball. It was likely you know, just a pass from a pitcher trying to get a fan a ball and it went, you know, array. And you have to think how many times does somebody throw a ball from a bullpen or throw a foul ball throughout the season? I mean, we're talking thousands of times. And this is the first time in recent memory that I can remember there being a serious injury where play had to be stopped. It sucks that it happened, but I don't really think the MLB needs to change any precautions here. I don't think this is as nearly as drastic as when they needed to put the netting up for foul balls that were just lasering people. You know, this is just a simple mistake, a little clumsy action. A guy landed the worst way possible, and, you know, thank God he's all right, but I don't think anything really needs to change here. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to have some self-agency, some self, you know, worth at that point where you direct yourself, and you have to just be aware of your surroundings know that you can't lean over too far, maybe grab onto the railing or don't reach for a ball that's too out of reach, let it fall, and then they'll toss it back. We've seen that happen many times where they taught people toss a ball into the stands, it lands short, they get the ball back and toss it into the same area to the same person. Now let's stick with, you know, a person who uh, had other issues with balls, Max Scherzer. If you might remember a few weeks ago, Max Scherzer was ejected from a start after having some rosin and sweat and rubbing alcohol on his hands that created kind of a sticky situation. All of it legal, but he was tossed out for having a too large of a quantity of it. He well, he finally made his debut after this 10-game suspension and kind of got lit up, just performed horribly. And it makes me ask the question. Is Max Scherzer a cheater? Because we know other players were labeled cheaters after the spider tag situation when they didn't perform to the highest level right away, Garrett Cole. But 
Max Scherzer is a guy that denounced all of that. Now in his, you know, later in his, in his career, he's somebody who got pinched for something and people seem to be labeling him a cheater. Is that fair? I don't think it's fair at all to label him a cheater, especially if you're basing him off of him getting thrown out that game and then suspended. Cause I think that whole situation was a little too much. And I think the, I think maybe the ums were a little unreasonable there with that stuff. But, and if you're going off to him coming back and not performing as well, coming back, like that's just because, I mean, he was suspended for 10 games, missed, you know, technically missed a start. You're coming back. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have a rough time maybe getting going again, especially with pitchers. Cause you, know, if you get into routine and stuff and you mess that routine up and the starts coming off, like it's going to mess with your time and everything in your arm and stuff. So I don't think it's fair at all to label him a cheater. Yeah. I would agree with uh, John there. You know, first off, we watched um, multiple videos come out after that, just explaining how, especially on John Boy, they had Scherzer wash his hand, and the alcohol is what, in my opinion, made the sticky situation even stickier for Scherzer. And it's not like this guy's never had a bad start before. Now, maybe if this is a continuous trend for the rest of the season, maybe then we could start talking about was there something going on? But, you know, this is just the internet jumping to conclusions off of one bad start. I think that's the perfect way to put it, Dylan. This is just the internet just jumping to conclusions, making mounds out of molehills here, just something that isn't that serious. It's not that deep. Scherzer's an all-time great Hall of Fame pitcher. This isn't anything, just a blip on his career, but something even sadder to talk about and discuss at least for me, and Dylan, you might be with me on this. The Boston Red Sox had won eight straight games up until today's recording where they finally lost. But are the Red Sox for real? They, they, they're they playing really good baseball. They're in third place currently in the AL East, and they're just a really, really solid team. Are, are they for real? Well, Corey, I think it depends on what you mean by for real. Are they a potential wild card team? I would say so, but I thought that they could potentially make a wild card run going into the year. You know, they have really solid hitters in the lineup, and they're a team that has the ability to get hot every now and then. They get hot against a division rival in Toronto and then face the Philadelphia Phillies, who before today have been a pitching nightmare. You know, some of it's schedule, some of it's really good performance from the Red Sox. I have a hard time believing that they're pitching is going to hold up enough for them to be for real. I mean, Tanner Hawk leads the team in ERA for starting pitchers right now, and his ERA is a 5-2-6. So no, I don't think that they're for real in terms of World Series or deep playoff run, but could they potentially be a wild card team? I guess so, but, you know, again, this is this is one week, and spoiler, but that's why they weren't in my top 10 power rankings, you know, a lot of my criteria is prove it to me that you could do it consistently, not just one good week and two good matchups. Yeah, I think it was just a, a hot run. I don't I don't think they're for real, to be honest. I do think they end up finishing the season in last place in the division. I just think they're on a on a really hot stretch right now, led by Chris Sale, who had a pretty good uh, a good start. And we're gonna talk about him a little bit more later. Now, another discussion I do want to have with you guys is about Wander Franco tossing the ball up to himself at shortstop after he fielded it and then making the throw and getting the out at first. It's just 
It's been a hot button topic in baseball, these unwritten rules. We had Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting the grand slam, you know, swinging 3-0 up, up a lot in the game. You know, Randy Rosarena on Friday hit a home run, rounded third base, stopped in front of the Yankees dugout and posed at them. You had Josh Naylor rocking the baby. You have a lot of things right now going on where players seem to be having fun, you know, the, all the bat flips and all that. But is there a line that they shouldn't cross? And what is that line if there is one? Yeah, Corey, I, um, I'm pretty passionately on the side of the players here. I mean, this is what creates stars. This is personality in the sport. Celebrations after home runs, the bat flips, the flicking of the ball by Franco before he gets the out. I mean, this is all just showmanship. And baseball is the only sport that I know that wants to market to a younger audience is trying to build more popularity, but smites their players for showing a lick of personality and celebration. It's unreal. In football, you have touchdown celebrations, one-handed catches, stiff arms. In basketball, you know, the Wander Franco, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that's like saying if you have a fast break dunk, you have to just two-hand rim graze it. No windmills, no reverse jams. I mean because that's too much showmanship. Now listen, and just like in basketball, if you try a really cool dunk and you miss, you look like a jackass. If Wander Franco had done this ball flip and then the runner was safe at first, he would have looked like a jackass. But ultimately, he got the out. It was a cool-looking play, and Wander Franco is an emerging star for Tampa Bay. I'm sure this only increased his popularity with Rays fans. I mean, I'm for the ball flip by Wonder Franco. I think like the bad flips and, you know, when he hit a home run, stand there and watch it is fine. But there's there's a fine line between, you know, showmanship and then like I would say taunting and stuff. I think there's some unwritten rules that you might want to keep and there's some that I think can go by the wayside now and you can kind of start and the players can kind of start showing more personality and doing more celebrations. I mean, I think the ball flip's fine and stuff, but like Dylan said, if you miss it, and you don't get the out, you kind of look like a jackass, and you're probably going to get a good ribbon by your pitcher in the dugout. And then depending if you're young, you might even get sat, you might even get taken out of the game or bashed. You know, it's just that if you do that stuff, you got to be able to back it up. Now, I think the standing at third base and looking at the dugout, I think that's crossing the line there. I think that's getting into more taunting stuff. Like, you don't need to stand there and look at the other team after you, you hit a home run off them. And I think looking at the home run after you hit it, flipping a bad runner on the bases and then celebrating with your team, I think that's fine. When you start looking and start staring at the other team and stuff like that, I think you're you're, you're getting close to crossing the line there. I don't like it. You know, John, I, I got to disagree with you here, man. I mean, and this is coming from a Yankees fan, but the Rays and the Yankees, that's a rivalry. And you know what? Like, there's some bad blood there. Rosarena has been part of this rivalry for a long time now, and he wants to show off to the Yankees dugout. Yeah, we're the top seed right now, and you guys are bottom of the barrel when it was projected to be different. Like, I'm going to take my moment and flex. And then a Rosarena gets beamed. Two straight at-bats. And, you know, he has a little bit of a pout about it, but, like, this is where rivalries come in in baseball. It's the same way that it happens in the NFL. You see fights there. Same thing in basketball. This is what makes sports sports. It's a good old-fashioned rivalry, and I don't mind the taunting because I certainly wouldn't have minded it if it was the other way around. 
For me, it's kind of tough. I think that uh, players should be able to express themselves. I don't love the Franco toss to himself to throw, but go go ahead, do it. The swinging on three zero, do it. You, you look like uh, you look like an idiot if you if you if it doesn't work, but you can do it. It's when you start taunting the other team is where I run into an issue because you have taunting calls in football in the NFL. You can't direct your celebrations at somebody else. Now, that's what Randy Rosarena did when he stopped and posed at the Yankees dugout. And all the power to him if he wants to do that. But nobody should be as upset if he gets beaned the next uh, couple times at the plate. And that's where I find my issue is you can't have all these celebrations and celebrate it if you can't have the game policing itself. Now, I'm not talking about throwing it at somebody's head. That's reprehensible and shouldn't happen. But if somebody wants to celebrate a home run, stare it down, bat flip it, and the other team takes exception and beans them, you got to take the good with the bad. That's just how it is. Let the game police itself. Let the players fight their own battles. You can't have that without the other. It's a balance. It needs to happen. You should allow, you know, hit by pitches as long as it's not headshots or at a dangerous part of the body for somebody doing something and bragging to you that to me, they go hand in hand. Now, just a couple other things I want to round out with the news section, hall of fame pitcher, Vita blue, former Oakland A, pitched in the seventies did pass away at 73 rest in peace. A great pitcher, the last switch hitter in the American league to win the MVP. He also won the Cy Young that year. Kind of a trick question. If you get that in trivia, Wilson Contreras, who was signed to be Yadier Molina's successor with the Cardinals, longtime Cubs catcher. He's been relegated to DH in outfield. He won't be their starting catcher anymore. Kind of a big swing and a miss from the Cardinals. And the Padres, after a game the other night, they put up a crying Clayton Kershaw meme on their scoreboard. And to me, it's just like Kershaw and the Dodgers have owned you guys for years you haven't earned the right to make fun of him. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think that you gotta, you kind of have to like know your place in the world, earn the ability to make fun of somebody else. And the Padres certainly haven't. Yeah. I mean, big shocker here. I kind of feel the same way I do about the race taunting. I like, it's all in good fun. I mean, you know, like that should motivate the Dodgers to come out the next day and win. And it it did. I mean, I understand where you guys are coming from. We're direct taunting at another player in other sports is a foul or a penalty or depending on what the sport is. But I like that MLB is starting to kind of push the line and really create some real rivalries in modern times. You know, it feels like a lot of the rivalries that we currently have just date back to the rivals because they were rivals in the last 40 years. I like the fact that there is more coming of it today and I'm, I'm power to the players here. And listen, it's at the end of the day, it's the same meme that would have been on Twitter. I actually, I actually agree with Dylan on this one with the Kershaw crying meme. I, I just think, I think it's funny. I, I think, you know, it's, it's all in good fun. I think it's funny. It would have been on Twitter anyway, like you said. You know, hopefully it motivates them. I just, 
I don't see any problem with that kind of stuff going on. And I mean, it served its purpose. It got, you know, got a reaction out of the fans, got people talking about it. It got us talking about it. So, you know, it did what they wanted it to do. Yeah. I mean, it was going to be on Twitter, but like Twitter is not the giant jumbotron at the stadium. I, I, I did take exception to it because there, there is a way to go about things. You have to earn the right to do that. Like imagine the Royals just like, making fun of the uh the you know the Cleveland Guardians. Imagine the Oakland A's on their scoreboard, you know, have a giant like Julio Rodriguez crying. Like earn the right to do that. You have to beat the team, beat them consistently. You have teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, and the Cubs, who I can never imagine doing something like that. Cause there's also a class aspect to it. You know what I mean? Just the Padres, to me, it was it was a move that missed, and hopefully they do better. Leave that to Twitter, not literally at the ballpark, because that's not the players having fun. That's just some random dude trying to have fun. We need to separate that from actually celebrating the players itself. At least that's how I view it. You know, Corey, I understand where you're coming from, and you know, I feel like this is definitely more of an opinionated subject for sure. However, the part where I adamantly disagree with you is saying that you have to consistently beat a team to be able to do that. I almost feel like if you're consistently beating up on the team, that's in poor taste if you do it that way. I mean, imagine the Astros, like, just putting a picture of one of the Athletics players crying after they beat them. It's like, all right, you're the Astros who win 100 games every year. Like, do you really need to make fun of the Athletics who, like, are lucky to win 70? Like, I almost think it only serves a purpose in these rivalry games. You know, while the standings may not reflect it, coming into the year, we all thought the Padres and the Dodgers were the two best teams in the NL West, and that's where we expect it to finish still, at least I do. So I think it's fine in a rivalry like that. And, you know, they're the young bucks. They got something to prove. They feel like there's a chip on their shoulder. They're the little brother of the Dodgers, and I don't hate the move. Now, let's run through some injury news real quick. Houston starting pitcher Luis Garcia is getting Tommy John surgery. His season's done. Tough blow for a real young arm. Yankee starting pitcher Carlos Rodon. No timetable. He was shut down with a forearm injury during spring training. And that turned into a chronic back issue. Uh, Is this guy Carl Pavano now? I, I just don't understand what's going on with him. I don't know if we'll ever see him pitch for the Yankees again, to be honest. Chicago White Sox outfielder Eloy Jimenez got an appendectomy. And appendix is removed. He's out four to six weeks, maybe a little longer, depending on how he's feeling after the surgery. White Sox reliever Liam Hendricks, after he is getting cleared from cancer, he'll be starting a uh, rehab stint in AAA. Hopefully he'll be up maybe even by the end of the month, if not early June. And that's something you just love to see. Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge due back on Tuesday, had the short stay on the uh, injured list and. Hopefully he's back and able to keep rolling. And uh, Luis Severino, Yankee starting pitcher, he's going to throw a couple rehab games, hopefully be back maybe by the end of the month, if not early June. He's uh, a little disappointed, a little upset at the Yankees. He didn't think throwing a simulated game on Friday was necessary. Better safe than sorry. And I just think him and the Yankees front office have butted heads a little bit too much over the last uh, year or two. And he's somebody who he's in a walk year. I can't imagine coming back. I think there's too much uh, bad blood between him and the front office. 
now let's get into the studs and duds. A couple guys that either played pretty well over the last week or not so much. For me, my stud, Boston Red Sox starting pitcher Chris Sale. He was a dud earlier in the year, and now he's kind of picked it up. 12 and a third innings pitched, 2-0 and record, 10 hits, only gave up four runs, a walk, and 15 strikeouts. Also, over the last week, he was the top fantasy points earner. That's something to be commended, especially because the Red Sox, they have offense, but their biggest issue is no defense, no pitching. And that's uh, that's pretty good for them. My dud, Yankees relief pitcher Clay Holmes. One and one third inning pitch, five hits, three runs, one earned run. One blown save, no strikeouts. What are you going to get out of your closer? You, you can't have him doing this type of stuff. You can't have him. You can't have him blowing saves, giving up runs. And the Yankees uh, management team needs to know when to put him in. Let him work out his struggles earlier in the game. Don't put him in a high leverage situation. Let him work it out himself earlier in the seventh, sixth inning, just low leverage. But, uh, John, let's hear from you. Who's your stud and who's your dud? My stud this week is the Dodgers' Freddie Freeman. He last seven games, he's had nine hits, one home run, five RBIs, batting 321. He's just been doing absolutely phenomenal. He was starting off kind of uh, – didn't have a great start to the year now, but he's starting to kind of, you know, play, you know, how you would expect Freddie Freeman to play. And my dud, even though – now my dud is Kyle Schwarber. Even though he had a pretty good game today – but like, you know, the, the past week he's been just playing absolutely atrocious. And I it was a big part of why the Phillies were on that losing streak. He's only, he had one hit, one home run, one RBI, and he's batting, a, he was batting the pathetic 43 average, which is just insane. You know, if he wasn't an already established player, you know, he'd be sent down. But because he's an established player and already proven himself, you know, he gets to stay up. But he was just batting absolutely atrocious. But hopefully it seems that he's out of the slump right now and hopefully starts hitting again. Yeah, John. And my stud for this week is going back to the Red Sox. As much as it pains me to say, I'm going Rafael Devers. This guy's been batting close to 500 over the last week. He has 10 RBIs, and it feels like he has been the engine that's been driving this Red Sox offense on their eight-game win streak. This guy's been an absolute animal for them. They paid him the big bucks, and this is why. And my dud, I hate to do this to you, John, but it's just the entire Phillies pitching rotation. I you know, Bullpen starters, doesn't matter. I couldn't pick just one. Over their last six games, they give up 49 runs. And yes, I get it. You play the Dodgers and the Red Sox, two high-powered offenses, but 49 runs in six games. I mean, that is just inexcusable, especially for a team that has World Series aspirations after getting there last year. The whole pitching room, dud. I think I'd have to agree with you a little bit on that. Like, they're pitching... You know, I thought their pitching was coming around, but it's just not what it was. And I think, you know, very deserving of, you know, your dud this week. Yeah, and John, let's keep it going with some Phillies talk. What's up with them? What do you what do you feel their issue is right now? Why uh why aren't they at that championship level play? I'm not really sure. I thought, you know, last week we thought the Phillies were back, you know, they were you know, they were winning games again. Their pitching looked like how it was supposed to be. You had Nola pitching a good, you know, good game. You had Wheeler pitching a good game. You know, Harper was in a, you know, Har- Harper's back in the lineup now. You know, Suarez isn't too far behind. It, it, it just seemed all at once, like, it just seemed all at once they fell apart again. Like, they just, the, the pitching's, pitching's bad again. 
their starting pitching and bullpen bullpen is just bad. I mean, I, even though Bryce Harper, you know, coming back, not even doing a rehab stint, coming back, you know, had a rough first game against the Dodgers, and now you know he hit his first home run last night and stuff, and he and, and everything, and the Phillies, you know, beat the Red Sox today and broke their broke their losing streak, but it's just they just don't seem to be consistent either way. It's either like their pitching is going good and they can't hit or they're hitting and then they can't pitch. It, it's just they got to get it together soon or it's just, you know, their playoff hopes might just be, you know, going out the window if they can't get it together soon. One team, though, that is kind of putting it together is the Arizona Diamondbacks, much to a, a lot of people's surprise. Now, you had the Diamondbacks, John. You had them ranked fifth in your uh, – power rankings that are up on outsidersports.net. Can you explain why you have them so high? They're a team I really like. I had them ranked ninth, but why, why five? Why not lower? Why not higher? Why right in the middle? I just, I really like the Diamondbacks. Like I think they're just playing really good baseball. I mean, they have, I think the second best pitcher in baseball is Zach Allen and probably I would say rookie of the year in Corbin Carroll. Like, I think they're just playing really good. And, you know, maybe they're a little high this week for me and stuff, but, you know, I kind of want to get ahead of the curve because I think they're, you know, I think they're going to show up this week and just prove, they're going to prove themselves that they deserve to be number five there. Dylan, now to you. Got to talk about another team who sucks, and this is going to be the first week where the Yankees are not in anybody's top ten, no receiving votes, no nothing. What's up with your Yankees and and really what's up with our Yankees to be to be fair? Yeah, Corey, what's up with our Yankees is they can't win a game that Garrett Cole doesn't pitch. And today they found out that maybe they can't win every game that he does pitch. And it's a lot of injuries. Harrison Bader coming back and the offense coming alive. I actually have faith that the Yankees will be in postseason talks come the end of the year. They are a team that's just really been bitten by the injury bug, and they are a team that's really on the side of resting guys early in the year. This is no surprise to us right now. Judge out, Stanton out, just got Bader back. Like you said, Rodon out, Severino out. You know, you could argue that those are four of the Yankees' top 12 to top 10 players. That is a huge hit for a team. Aaron Judge, one of the five best players in the world missing. They'll figure it out, but with the hot streak that Tampa's on to start the year, they may have put themselves so far behind the eight ball that they're going to have to play from the wild card. But again, I think it's a lot of injuries early in the season for the Yankees, but we got to rank with what we see, and what we've seen from them is not great baseball. Yeah, you know, among playoff teams from last year, the Yankees have a better record than the Houston Astros, the Seattle Mariners, the Cleveland Guardians. They have a better record than the New York Mets. San Francisco Giants, Philadelphia Phillies, St. Louis Cardinals, a lot of really good teams that are just not having the start they wanted. So it's it's easy to get down on the Yankees, and I think we should. Their, the roster construction proved to have a lot of flaws, but injuries play a big part in that. I'm not sure if a lot of the guys that will be coming back will come back soon enough. I do think the Yankees will be able to maintain and get into that playoff race come September, but it's going to be a long road to 90 plus wins. And I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get to that 90 win mark. But Dylan, I do need to ask, we didn't have the Yankees in there, but you were the only team, I believe. No, never mind. You and one other person were the only ones that have the Houston Astros in your top 10. 
The Astros uh, struggled, not starting off really well. Altuve's still hurt. What's the uh, the mindset behind Houston and why at nine? Yeah, so I put Houston in at nine because when you start to get to the bottom of a top ten, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of ways you can go about how you fill that out. And for me, I like to put nine and ten as not only teams that are coming up on the rise, but a little bit of projections, you know. I like to potentially be able to have bragging rights over you guys and be like, see, I had it first. And I think the Astros have a good week coming up. They have a series coming up with the Angels that I'm going to get into a little bit later. But whoever comes out of that series on top will likely be in second in the AL West. I think that Houston is on a really, really good run. Altuve will be back soon after that slow start to the year. This was more a a projection than where maybe they should be right now. Maybe that's cheating. I'm not sure, but they have championship pedigree for a reason. And I have them at number nine, and I stand by it. We'll see if they prove me right this week. Now, I do want to ask you guys, since Ben's not here, our resident Met fan, what's up with the Metropolitans? Under 500 now after losing today. Got swept by the Tigers, lost two out of three to the Rockies. Is the world falling there, or are they kind of in the same boat as the Yankees where it's injuries and just a wait-and-see type of game? Because to me, the Mets are a relatively healthy team. Their their rotation's back. Verlander, Scherzer, Scherzer, they're there. Their best player, Alonzo, Lindor, McNeil, they're all there. So this might just be the status quo there. I don't know. I have... I have a lot of faith in the Mets. I think they'll bounce back, but they don't have the injury bug excuse that other teams do have. Yeah, since Ben's not here to defend them, I'll say Frank the Tank from Barstool Sportsbook was right. The Mets are going to be terrible this year. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, they're just like a lot of those postseason teams, especially in the NL, that are really slumping to start the year. The Mets, the Cardinals, the Phillies. And what's beautiful for the Mets is there's a lot of teams that are doing well in the NL that, you know, maybe I'm going to be a little facetious and a little negative, but do I expect the Diamondbacks and the Pirates to keep this up and be in the playoffs over teams like the Mets and the Phillies? Not really. But... You know, the Mets do have some figuring out to do. They just got Verlander back, Scherzer back from the suspension, got to figure out the pitching rotation. And, you know, maybe it's just a cold slump for the bats. Or maybe Frank the Tank was right. Time will tell. I'm going to say it's a little hiccup here just with the Mets and stuff. You know, maybe still a little playoff hangover and stuff from last year. As like as a lot of, you know, playoff teams from last year are having, you know, trouble getting going. And things, but I think the one thing we haven't really, you know, that I want to bring up, I don't think really talked about much on here on any of the podcasts at all is just how they're doing the scheduling this year. Cause you know, they're playing a lot of teams out of their, you know, division and stuff. And I'm just in, you're seeing like, you know, a lot of, you know, teams bad doing good and a lot of, you know, good teams doing bad. And I'm just, you know, you have to wonder if that's playing into them, you know, doing bad because they're playing teams that they're not really used to, you know, playing and seeing pitchers. They don't, you know, usually see. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see what the Mets, Frank the Tank, one of the most outspoken Met fans there is, he uh he got, he got yelled. At. I don't know if you guys saw that video. He got yelled at by an older fan at the Met game the other day. It's uh it's a disappointing time for baseball in New York, but luckily for them, their other sports, hockey. Yeah, the Rangers and Devils both made the playoffs. The Devils are still kicking around in the in the hockey playoffs. The Knicks are still going in the playoffs. 
plus the Giants and Jets are both on the upswing. So even though the Yankees and Mets aren't carrying the torch anymore, there's still a lot to like in New York sports. Another question, though, I have for you guys is, are there any surprises? It's now May. Are there any surprises in the baseball in your top 10s that you didn't think would be here? But also, who just missed your top 10? So any surprises? What surprising teams are there? But also, what teams kind of just missed being in your top 10s? Because for me, the Rangers just missed. I, I just couldn't put them above some of the teams I had, like the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Hot take, I know. But the Rangers would have been my number 11 if I was able to go that far. And also, I'm shocked to see the Pirates and Red Sox this high up. The Orioles, not going to lie, I expected to be a top 10 team at this point. I don't want to say I expect them to be as good as they were, but I did expect them to be a lot peskier, and this was not out of the realm of possibilities. And the Diamondbacks, for what it's worth, I figured would have been a little better. I just think that the Red Sox and Pirates are teams I just didn't think had the talent level necessary to be this good, even at this point in the season. Yeah, Corey. I mean, the Pirates were the biggest shocker for me. Uh, the Cardinals being this bad were a shock, and the team that just missed for me, the Diamondbacks. I think a surprise for me this year uh, for the top 10 in general were the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. I didn't expect them to be, you know, this good. I mean, I don't know if they're going to keep it up and if they're for real. I mean, I think Diamondbacks might might be. I don't think the Pirates can keep it up, though. And I think, you know, it's a surprise this week for top 10. Definitely the uh, the Red Sox. I feel like they just kind of came out of nowhere for me. And I, you know, found myself putting them in the top 10. And uh, the Rangers just missed the top 10 for me, too. I just couldn't. There's just other teams I thought that were doing better than them. And I just I just couldn't justify putting them in. And I don't think I've had the Rangers on the top 10 on my top 10 list yet this year. Now, there's a couple games coming up this week that might be of some interest to some people. For me personally, I think the uh, the Padres-Dodgers game is going to be one that has a lot of tempers flaring at the later part of the week. We saw what happened with the crying Kershaw. Just a lot of bad blood between a team that's actually gone out there and done it and won some games versus a team that's all talk. They both have high payrolls. They both basically print money. Division rivals. Dodgers Padres have kind of supplanted Dodgers Giants as that top of the division dogfight to win. And I'm interested to see like how that shakes out. This one's going to be in Chavez Ravine. And I think the Padres might be in for a rude awakening. I feel like the Dodgers are going to be uh, on something for this one. But uh, what do you, what games do you guys feel are significant this week? Yeah, I gave it a little bit of a preview earlier, but I'm going Astros-Angels. You know, this series should decide who's in second place in the AL West. I think that the Astros are going to win this series. They get to face against Shohei Otani. It's in the beginning of the week. This should have eyeballs on it, and I'm going to make a Charles Barkley guarantee that the Astros win this series. I think a, a series that I'm excited for this week that I want to highlight is going to be the the Rays at the Orioles Monday. You know, you got the you know you got the first place and the second place team for the AL East. You know, and this is a chance you know for the you know the Orioles to kind of eat into the the Rays lead there and maybe you know st- start sneaking up on them to maybe you know take first from them. Well, that's going to do it here for us on the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Keep tuning in each week. Brand new episodes covering everything. 
we did last week. We released our uh, April rankings, top hitters, top pitchers, plus our top teams for the last week. But keep tuning into our socials, Twitter, Outsider Sports 3, the YouTube and the TikTok. Just search up Outsider Sports. Log on outsidersports.net to see a lot of the good stuff we're doing. Lots of articles, lots of hockey stuff, especially, especially since it's the playoff time. But that'll do it. Keep tuning in. Have a good one.